0: Welcome to The Core. I'm Walker Wildman. I'm your host for today and every day here on The Core. Glad to be with you today on the show. This is the American Family Radio Network. You can visit our website, AFR.net, and listen to past episodes of The Core there. You can also download the app, AFR app. It's free. Just go to your app store, type in AFR. You can download the app for free, and then we also publish the podcast on multiple platforms, Across the web, so you can go to where you prefer to listen to podcast and click the subscribe button to uh, AFA at the Core program and uh, keep us w- keep up with us there. We're live streaming the video on Facebook and YouTube. Live streaming the video on Facebook and YouTube. Just go to our AFA at the Core channel or show page on either of those platforms. Then, um, lastly, we upload it to the streaming platform, which is the AFA streaming platform so we offer the content from the show on multiple platforms jumping right into the show for today we have uh, we are in psalm chapter 9 and i want to highlight verse 13 through verses 13 through uh, 14 so 13 and 14 be gracious to me O lord see my affliction from those who hate me O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. And so the the, the answer here, the question here is, who lifts us, who has the power to lift us from the gates of death? Well, the answer is Jesus Christ. God himself is the only one who has the power to lift us up from the gates of death. And that's what he did when, uh, that's what God did when he offered his son, Jesus Christ as a propitiation for our sins, as a replacement for us, uh, as a sacrifice in place of us, he offered his son, Jesus. And so only God has the power, uh, to lift us from, uh, death. And that's what he did through Jesus. So, We have eternal life despite your circumstance despite the different trials and struggles that you go through here on this earth Uh, we uh, as believers in Jesus Christ have ultimate life in him and so he has lifted us from death and that's what should drive us that's what should motivate us that's what should consume us and our lives moving into some of the stories today you know I believe I brought in the proverb um, recently about right being called wrong and wrong being called right. That's an Old Testament, uh, part of the Old Testament that I read, and the same thing applies now. I mean, we are truly living in a day, and this is this is not just a, a fringe element of society. I think that the difference now that we face in, in this cultural context, the context of America in 2022. The, the context that we face today is we are at a point where people who are supposed to have credibility, people who are supposed to be trusted, people who are supposed to be leaders— are calling right-wrong and wrong-right. And I think that's what makes this time in American history unique is, is it's not just a few people or certain elements of society that are embracing lunacy and ungodliness and the secularization of America, but you have a, a broad elements now embracing such nonsense and that's what uh makes uh this situation that we're in in this country at this time uh unique and and pretty uh serious uh from a spiritual uh, standpoint and from a standpoint of human rights and individual liberty as our founding fathers envisioned it well uh, another day another time where uh those who we should be entrusting with uh, certain decisions and public health in mind and um, looking out for the best interest of individuals and their and, and their well-being, here we have a story where the Biden administration is now through the Department of Justice—this is a grant program—well, it's, it's, it's Department of Justice in conjunction with—they they basically gave the sign-off, but it's through HHS— Health and Human Services under the Biden administration, they are finalizing, this is reading directly from this Daily Mail piece, they are finalizing funding to dole out crack pipes to drug addicts as part of the, quote, harm reduction plan, end quote. This is not a joke. This is not an onion piece. (laughs) This is not a Babylon Bee article. The $30 million grant program, which accepted applications until Monday of this, this past Monday, will begin doling out money in May of this year. It intends to provide funds to nonprofits and local governments to make drug use safer, to advance, quote, racial equity, end quote, included in the grant is money to purchase, quote, safe smoking kits slash supplies, end quote. A spokesperson for HHS told the Washington Free Beacon that included in these kits could be pipes for users to smoke substances like crack cocaine, crystal methamphetamine, or any other illicit substance. This This is the epitome of insanity. I mean, this is heightened insanity. This isn't just like stupidity, or people not using their head. This is, this, is, this is absolute insanity. Where our very own government is fostering and aiding and abetting criminal activity. And we know that these illicit drugs, such as the ones just mentioned, they destroy lives. The addiction... Is, is is overwhelming for people who go through this and who use these drugs. What does that addiction lead to? It leads to losing your job because you can't function at a job when you're high on methamphetamine. It leads to homelessness. It leads to divorce, broken families, abuse. I could go on and on and on. And instead of doing what the government is supposed to do, and that is promote the health and well-being of society from a scientific and medical standpoint, which is not what they're doing now on multiple fronts, they are providing, they are enabling drug users to continue their addiction. In the name of racial equity, what on earth does this have to do with racial equity? Well, the reality is, is it doesn't have anything to do with racial equity. The government's job is law and order, and that means, first and foremost, cutting off the supply of illicit drugs in this country. And it can be done. The whole argument that there's uh, drugs come from all over the place and it's hard to police it, don't give me that hogwash. Because the Biden administration had enough resources to clamp down on hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin coming across the border but you're telling me we can't catch the 18-wheeler full of cocaine? No, we can. We just don't want to. We've got enough resources to run around the country telling people to put a mask on. We've got enough resources to investigate white supremacy that doesn't exist the vast majority of the time it's investigated. We've got enough resources to run a full and lengthy background check on every single person that was in Washington, D.C. on January 6th of 2021. But we can't stop the multi-million, multi-billion dollar cartel industry that smuggles and just drives and flies these illicit drugs into our country. That argument that we can't police it is a bunch of bull. And they know it. They know it. We know it. Everybody knows it. If the government wants to keep tabs on the drugs coming into this country... They can do so. But when you have George Soros-funded district attorneys, when you got Biden's DOJ, which sympathizes with George Soros and their entire soft-on-crime strategy, what do you get? You don't just have soft-on-crime. You have the enabling of criminal activity, and that's what's happening by providing crack cocaine pipes to people who are addicted to crack cocaine, methamphetamine, and all the other illicit drugs. This is, this is criminal, what our government is doing. They are participating and enabling and fostering an environment of criminality. So you put that with, we have our own federal government is busing and flying illegal aliens, criminal aliens, they're all criminals. all right. So this whole idea, this falsehood that if you cross the border illegally, you're not a criminal— but if you commit a crime once you get here, then you're all of a sudden a criminal. No, they're all criminals. I don't it doesn't matter intent, why they came here, the harsh situations they come from. I understand all of that. It's it's very complex, but when you when you trespass into a country, you're a criminal. So they're all criminals. And what we have now is a federal government under the Biden administration that is bussing and flying the criminals all around the country. They're relocating them. Well what, what is that in effect? That is called human trafficking. Our federal government is the leading human trafficking organization in North America. And I'm not saying that sarcastically, tongue-in-cheek, cynical. No, that's a fact. I don't know how else you explain what, well, they're relocating them, Walker. Well, that's what human smugglers do. (laughs) They relocate the humans that they're smuggling. Well, that's what our federal government, we are aiding, we are picking the people up from the cartels and taking them to their final destination. And it is a terrible thing. The only transportation the federal government should be providing is back to their country of origin, back to their home country. Because you can't tell me, we spend so much money on, on Greyhound buses and flights, on chartered flights, all around the country. You just turn that thing south and take them back to their country of origin. And if their country of origin and where they're from doesn't want them or won't let the U.S. land flights there or take buses there, well, okay, we'll put them in jail here in America, and you folks, whatever said country, you're not getting a dime from America. As a matter of fact, we will sanction you. We will sanction every country that will not take the criminals that they sent our way back into their country. Because right now, we're spending billions of dollars in financial aid, and we're not leveraging it for anything. We're not leveraging it for anything, but yet our federal government wants to leverage their financial aid domestically against healthcare workers who don't want to participate in an experimental jab. So our federal government, they don't mind leveraging. They don't mind extorting. They don't mind twisting the arm of someone who doesn't want to do something. They do it on our citizens every day. But you talk about Guatemala or Mexico. I mean, Mexico's the worst offender here. Mexico's the worst offender here because all their cartels are making billions of dollars funneling illegal drugs into our country. And we're taking all their criminals, all their gang members that want to come up here. I mean, Mexico has the best end of the deal. Better yet, better yet, we're sending them money. We're aiding Mexico in their disaster of a country that they have down there. The government's corrupt. The cartels run the government. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. So, we're still funding Mexico, though, foreign aid billions. Sure, let's send it to them. Expect nothing in return. How about our federal government turn the arm twisting and the leverage making and the deal making and the coercion, how about we turn that off of our very own tax-paying legal citizens law-abiding citizens how about we turn that those efforts on to the people who are actually committing wrong how about that approach for a change see you back here in a few minutes
3: They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Will Thomas competed on the men's swim team at the University of Pennsylvania in relative obscurity for three years. He then declared
0: himself to be a transgender woman, started competing on the women's swim team, and began
4: demolishing long-held women's swimming records. Now, several of Thomas's female swim teammates have expressed discomfort with having this man, who's told them that he's attracted to women, exposing his obviously male genitalia when he changes and showers with them in their locker room. Regressivism is willing to
3: destroy women in favor of trans insanity. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III. Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association.
4: This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patti Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Having the last word, the hot take, or the good comeback seemingly drives our communication these days, especially online. Society elevates the one who can render another speechless by their sarcasm or cleverness. These days, salty has some fun connotations. Namely, a salty person has some sass or fire about her. But in the early church, to speak words that were seasoned with salt meant to be full of grace, as Paul writes in Colossians 4.6. What we say and how we say it matters now and into eternity. If you're committed to representing Christ well, it might be time for an overhaul in your words. Pray for the Holy Spirit's gentle conviction over your speech. He is faithful to bring His kingdom come into even the smallest areas of your life.
3: Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com.
4: For American Family Radio, this is Gateways to Better Education. I'm Eric Buer. The California Department of Education wants every sixth grader in California's public schools to know the gospel. The California Department of Education's Academic Standards for Sixth Grade Social Studies says this when it comes to learning about the Roman Empire and the birth of Christianity. And I'm quoting... Students are to note the origins of Christianity in the Jewish messianic prophecies, the life and teachings of Jesus of Nazareth as described in the New Testament, and the contribution of St. Paul the Apostle to the definition and spread of Christian beliefs. For example, belief in the Trinity, resurrection, and salvation. What's in your state's academic standards? You can get our summary of your state's academic standards showing where the Bible and Christianity can be taught to your children Call 888-44-PARENT. That's 888-44-PARENT.
3: AFA at the Core podcasts are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. foundation can we build up
0: The core here on American Family Radio, absolutely beautiful song by Elevation Worship and Maverick City, and it was so good, Bobby. You know, maybe we just need to play the whole song uh, starting next Wednesday.
5: <laughs> I'll tell you, they they all uh, go for about four to five minutes, yeah. and uh, there's not a wasted note in in any of them. Really.
0: It's all yeah, and it's it's beautiful because not only are they talented singers, mm. but um, the songs we bring on the show each week, Bobby, we we want them to be rooted in Scripture. They Amen. don't just sound good. They Amen. sound good because they're rooted in Scripture. That's right. That's right. Um, so the lyrics there are very powerful. First, um, I'm not a musician, but let me try this. First stanza <laughs> is, I believe, what it's called. On Christ alone, our chief cornerstone, no other foundation can we build upon, not philosophy nor the wisdom of man all other ground is sinking sand uh so that's our amen. worship wednesday by elevation worship and maverick city music
5: excellent job there
0: amen um and worship is is a beautiful thing and we should all um be sure that we worship our heavenly father uh through not only how we live our lives but also through 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 music through worship and through singing, because that's that's uh, evident. the the evidence of that being a a good form of worship is throughout much of Scripture, uh, through through singing and through Psalm. Uh, so that's what uh, that's what we try to do here each Wednesday. Jumping back into the show, I want to wrap up um, the the topic about uh, how the role of government. And the role of our leaders and how they should be trusted they should have credibility what they do should be right it should be backed up uh, by God's word it should be backed up by science it should be backed up by the truth and right now we're getting a lot of the opposite we're getting a lot of the opposite from our leaders well this was refreshing I pulled this clip about a week or two ago but I'm just now bringing it in this is from Senator Ron Johnson and and he's getting questioned by reporters at the Capitol about, well, well, what are the Republicans going to do? Well, well, what are you going to do? What's your solution? And it's so refreshing to not have, you know, some prepped up talking point about how, well, we need to replace Obamacare with something else that's bad. How about we just let the, let the American people live their lives with the least government intrusion? Let's listen to clip one.
5: The agenda is pretty simple. We know what works. It worked under the last administration. We stopped adding to the regulatory burden. This administration is putting the regulatory agencies into hyperdrive. And you make sure you maintain a reasonable and a competitive tax system. And you then respect the American public to do what they do a great job of. They innovate, they create, they dream and they aspire with the freedom that our government should be protecting, but that is right now being frittered away. So again, I think the Republican agenda is quite clear. We don't have to specify everything but we're for letting the American people live their lives with as less amount of government interference as possible, but lower regulation, a competitive tax system, and let Americans be Americans and make this country
0: great. That's so refreshing. Just get the government out of the way. You know, we, we always, people always feel like they have to come up with a government solution to the problems that other people make. And sometimes, actually, a lot of the time, the the solution is for the government to just get out of the get out of whatever industry or field or topic they're meddling around in, just get out of the way. And this this is what the the problem with what the Republicans did when they tried to remember they said repeal and replace Obamacare. No 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 no. There's no replacing Obamacare. Let's just repeal Obamacare. And let's repeal about a hundred other laws while we're at it. That is a good approach. That will get people excited. That's a, a, a meaningful approach. Hey, how about we deregulate the whole healthcare industry, let these insurance companies compete across state lines. Ooh, that's a novel idea. And get the government out of the way. That is is a good thing to do. So, so we just, as, as conservatives, people who want to conserve the good things about America... And the good laws about America, we don't need to feel like every time the left does something terrible, we need to come back with another law on top of that. Now, let's just take out the bad stuff. And occasionally, yes, you do need to pass laws uh, for for good purposes. But the vast majority of what Washington, D.C. does is they just pile on top of bad stuff. You got a bad foundation and they just throw stuff on top of it. How about we just government just get out of the way and let uh, the American people, have a little bit of room to have some freedom and some opportunity. Um, another part uh, of 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 government that is really not their business is how much government is now getting into the private sector. This is not a this is not a new phenomenon. This tr- goes back decades upon decades. Uh, but but the the government, uh, the federal government and state governments, they drive much the vast majority of private industry, private sector policy. That oftentimes favors and disfavors certain industries, certain companies, so on and so forth. They, they they basically at times get into the game of picking winners and losers, based on how they, they set economic policy. Uh, but oftentimes we just need a less government and let the companies hash it out, let the companies compete, and let's stop you know putting our thumb on the scale when it comes to the private sector and which companies. Um, which companies are able to succeed, which ones are punished more for their success, so on and so forth. Speaking of being punished for success, the Biden administration, they released, and we talked about on the show, they released a um, the strategic oil reserve. They released, I believe, 50 million barrels from the strategic oil reserve, which Bobby and I did the numbers. It'll last about three days about three days' worth of oil that's consumed here in America on a daily basis. About three days is how far 50 million barrels will go. So not very far at all in the grand scheme of, of American energy consumption. And by the way, the, the strategic oil supply uh, or the strategic oil reserve, is not it was not built, it was not intended to be used because we have a president who is is implementing terrible policies. It's not a backstop to terrible policymaking. It's a backstop to war, to natural disaster, to war with Russia, war with you, war with uh, Saudi Arabia, or war with another country that sends us a lot of oil. That's what the strategic um, stockpile is for, not for political purposes and not because the president and his economic advisors are implementing. I'm not going to say they don't know what they're doing because that's giving them way too much benefit, way too much credit because they're purposefully implementing policies that are bad for consumers from a price standpoint and from an energy supply standpoint. Well, uh, President Biden's economic advisor, White House Council of Economic Advisors member, Jared Bernstein, he uh, admitted that instead of producing more oil domestically so we can not only build back up the stockpile, but also lower prices, we're just going to stop all that and we're gonna rely on foreign countries in the strategic stockpile to reduce prices, clip three.
2: Let's talk about uh, gas prices. Uh, gallon of uh, regular now up to 346 on average, a new seven year high, up more, it's uh, up a dollar almost. From a year ago, the president ordered a release of 50 million barrels from the reserve. That was back in November, I believe it was, hit the market in December. OPEC is not ramping up increases to the desires of the U.S. What is the plan to control gas prices? This is something that's hitting people every single day. A three-part plan uh, coming from uh, President Biden, who first of all starts out by being very clear about precisely the stressors you just mentioned. Anyone, and that's most of us who've had to fill up their tank, understands what you're talking about. Number one, We are engaging internationally, both with oil-producing and oil-consuming countries. In terms of oil-producing countries, we want them to live up to their supply commitments, and we're engaged in diplomatic measures to uh, make that happen. Well, OPEC Uh, says they're going to stick at 400,000 barrels a day. They're not ramping up in the way that you're asking them to. So uh, you may be approaching them, but they're not responding as quickly as you'd like. So let's talk about what we can do so oil consuming countries uh, have strategic reserves and the last time uh, we released uh, 50 million barrels, many of which are still in train by the way, uh, the price of gasoline, it wasn't just the strategic release, but it helped. The price of gasoline actually fell by 10 cents a gallon. For a very short time, uh, you're going to do that again? That is certainly an option that uh, can be put on the table as needed.
0: (laughs) Wow. Wow. Bobby, a couple couple notes there. First one, OPEC's not increasing production and the CNN host called him out on that.
5: Correct, and that just came out uh, a few days ago. They You'll- said they're holding firm on their 400,000 barrels a day and that's it. We're not playing any games. It's working well for us. Yeah, well, yeah, look at <laughs> look at Brent crude prices and in it tells the tale. You
0: like how he says the CNN host calls him out that OPEC is not increasing production, despite what he said, despite what Bernstein said. And he says, well, let's talk about what we can control. Mm. Doesn't even answer the question. No. Doesn't even address the fact that, no, OPEC's not increasing production. And I honestly don't blame OPEC because America's, like, bipolar. (laughs) Trump Trump, uh, says we don't need OPEC, which I agree with. Biden comes in and says, oh, we got to have OPEC. So which one is it? So from OPEC's perspective, I don't blame what they're doing. Uh, They're not trying to be tugged around by the U.S.
5: And he also called Bernstein out on that, uh, you know, the release of the, quote, unquote, uh, 50 million barrels, which he said are still in the trains, which means they haven't been processed yet. They haven't been refined. It's not gasoline.
0: Mm, That's a good point.
5: And again, we're talking about three days.
0: Yeah, three days worth.
5: And by the way, the reporter says, Oh yeah, it dropped ten cents for like a week and yes. then right back and, 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 ba- and escalated even even exponentially. We're so back
0: up and the and and, and folks the the <laughs> the underlying issue here, the reason I brought in the clip is that the problem and the solution is right in front of them and they are avoiding it. And that is a problem. That is a problem. It, it's not as if these people, number one, don't know what they're doing, they're not smart enough. They don't have enough information. They know exactly what they're doing. You want to lower prices? You want to be energy independent, which are both two very noble things. There are two right things to do, correct things to do. Then you allow American-based energy companies to drill, to frack, and to do whatever you got to do here on the homeland to get oil out of the ground. That's what Trump did. We were 100% energy independent. Gas prices were at a a uh, record low for, uh, uh, for, for for the last several years. Well, here we are, gas prices are going back up, and instead of getting at the root problem, the Biden administration, well, they're going to dip into the strategic uh, uh, stockpile again to uh, make the prices go down a couple cents for about a week, and then it's going to go right back up. And OPEC says, no, we're not coming to your rescue. And from OPEC's perspective, I really don't blame them. Uh, moving into a couple other topics, I told you yesterday I would bring in data on the mask. So that's what I've done here. Uh, by the way, uh, next segment, we're going to take your calls, uh, and I'll give out the number towards the end of this segment or our next segment uh, for you to call in, take your comments, take your questions. I've got three studies here, one from Cambridge, one from uh, University of Oxford, and one from uh, Canadian Medical Association Journal. But the common occurrence here, and these are some of these are met- meta analysis which are studies of other studies and other clinical trials. Here, here, I'm going to read a few excerpts from these conclusion sections in these studies. In conclusion, this is from the Cambridge study. In conclusion, there remains a substantial gap in the scientific literature on the effectiveness of face masks to reduce transmission of influenza virus infection. So this is all in relation to the flu. These are studies over the last 10 years. While there is some experimental evidence that masks should be able to reduce infectiousness under controlled conditions, there is less evidence on whether this translates to effectiveness in natural settings, which means like community settings. There is little evidence to support the effectiveness of face masks to reduce the risk of infection. Current research has several limitations, including underpowered samples, limited generalizability, narrow intervention targeting and inconsistent testing protocols also different laboratory methods and case definitions. So I've got these three studies. I'll talk a little bit about this after the break, but the overarching point here is that whether face masks work or not to prevent the spread or to slow the spread of COVID-19 is still being litigated in the scientific community. Furthermore, we're not talking about people in a healthcare setting around known COVID patients wearing masks What the Biden administration and Fauci and all the other crazies have been doing is making healthy people who are not sick wear a mask for eight, 10, 15 hours a day. That is the problem.
3: They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable.
5: Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint.
3: The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net.
4: American Family Studios was started back
0: in 2011 as a way to advance the Christian worldview into an increasingly media-rich culture.
4: Media is like such a powerful tool to communicate the gospel. I love writing stories, getting in my office, and just thinking, how can we portray this concept of who God's character is? And to get to use the gifts that God has given me is really a joy.
3: AmericanFamilyStudios.net This is the sound of not just one, not just two, but three heartbeats. Heartbeats that were birthed through the ministry of preborn. The heartbeat of a preborn baby can be heard as early as six weeks on ultrasound. The sound of a heartbeat changes everything.
1: I came seeking termination, but once I got
4: here and I took an ultrasound, I was overjoyed when I found out that I was having three baby boys.
3: The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free heartbeats for moms in crisis in America and the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time, and this time, there were three. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life.
4: On the subject of choosing forgiveness, here's Nancy DeMoss Wogglemouth. Can you think of anyone who has ever wronged you and you've never forgiven them? I ask that question whenever I speak on forgiveness. I've asked tens of thousands of people, including longtime believers, Bible study leaders, and Christian workers. In almost every case, 80 to 95% of the hands go up. That means that the majority of people sitting in church Sunday after Sunday have unforgiveness in their hearts. They're in danger of what the writer of Hebrews talks about when he says, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. So can you think of anyone who has wronged you and you've never forgiven them? You can attack that root of bitterness with the decisive blow of forgiveness today. With Seeking Him, I'm Nancy DeMoss Wagmuth.
3: AFA at the core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the core on American Family Radio.
0: Welcome back to the core. If you want to call in to the show, you can do so. Questions, comments about the topics we've discussed on the show, 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840 is the number to call in to the core. We'll take your calls here this segment here in a few minutes. Triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero is the number to call in. Back to these studies on masks. I told you yesterday I would bring them in, so I have. Uh, so last segment I talked about the Cambridge study. So let's go to the Oxford University study, the University of Oxford study. And uh, you get into it, and these are this study was put together from relevant uh, articles from PubMed, Embase, which is these are all databases, and Web of Science, but. You dig deep uh, into these conclusion summaries, which are very interesting. Um, and here, here's here's what I, I drew from this University of uh, University of Oxford study: the superiority of N95 respirata- respirators over medical masks could reflect the ability of N95 respirators to protect users from infectious aerosols, or indicate higher effectiveness against droplet. Uh, con- contagion. Nonetheless, our meta-analysis revealed that use of both N95 respirators and medical masks was associated with up to 80% reduction in risk of SARS. So I bring this in, that, that this, sh- this study did show that N95 respirators and medical masks were associated with some reduction in the spreading of SARS, which is a different virus, But the context here is that the mask is intended to protect the user. And that has been the the, the understanding of mask usage for a very long time. For a very long time. It wasn't until Dr. Fauci and his crew totally flipped the the script and they said, No, 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 masking doesn't protect the wearer of the mask. Masking protects others. Oh, really? That's interesting. That's a new way to look at it. And everybody just latched onto it and said, yeah, masking protects others. Wait, really? That's like saying getting vaccinated protects others. No, it doesn't. It protects the person getting the shot. Same thing with these masks. And in all of these studies... I haven't found—I actually haven't found one study. It's not that they're not out there. I personally have not come across a study that explores whether other people are protected by someone else wearing a mask. The entire context of an N95 respirator, the entire purpose of an N95 respirator, is to filter the particles in the air for the person using the N95 respirator. Like, you don't walk into a medical clinic or walk into a hospital— And the sick people put on a mask and gown and gloves. No, it's the nurses that wear the PPE. (laughs) PPE is not intended for people who are infectious. It's intended for the people treating the ones who are infectious. And so we can't forget that as well. And when they flipped that script, it turned everybody on defense. Because now you want to kill people if you don't wear a mask. That's how they flipped it. They've done it with the shots, and now they've done it with the mask. And that's how you get guilt trip people into wearing masks at all times. Uh, last part of this um, Oxford study that I will note that is very important: continuous adjustments of inappropriate. Uh, I'm sorry, continuous adjustments and inappropriate wearing may even reverse the benefits, meaning make it worse, of N95 respirators through the contamination of hands, face, and other PPE. So, very controlled environment. All of these studies are done in very controlled environments. But the context of mask wearing in this country for the past two years, my friends, has been in some of the least controlled environments on this planet. Meaning, wearing the same mask multiple days in a row, making kids wear cloth. By the way, some of these studies absolutely say cloth masks are terrible. Cloth masks are terrible. They actually make things worse. Do not wear cloth masks. What have these kids been wearing? These kids in these schools have been wearing cloth masks for two years, for two years in a very uncontrolled environment where they're fiddling, touching, stuffing it in a backpack, stuffing it in a lunchbox, dropping it in the bathroom on the floor, throwing it back on their face. All right. So every single data piece that I look at that, that says in certain situations, N95 respirators, do serve a purpose, they're all in very controlled environments, and every study will say, most of them will say, that if you fiddle with it, if you touch it, if you break the seal, it's 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 of no use anymore. You might as well throw it off and go get another fitted N95 custom-made mask. That's what they say. So that's that's important here. Um, uh, last one is this uh, Canadian Medical Association journal, and uh, here's a section from it. Although N95 respirators appear to have a protective advantage over surgical masks in laboratory settings, our our meta-analysis showed that there were insufficient data to determine definitively whether N95 respirators are superior to surgical masks in protecting healthcare workers against transmissible acute respiratory infections in clinical settings. It goes on, and I'll end with this. Transmission of acute respiratory infections occurs primarily by contact and droplet routes, And accordingly, the use of surgical mask, eye protection, gown, and gloves should be considered appropriate personal protective equipment when providing routine care for a patient with a transmissible acute respiratory infection. All right, so the overlying point here that I want us to draw from this is that we're debating something that isn't really the core issue. The core issue of whether masks work depends on what study you look at, depending on who you talk to who will say where math, whether masks work. But let's just operate on the assumption that, that some masks do work to some serve some purpose when you're around infectious diseases. But what's been debated and what's been forced upon the American public for the past two years is forcing people who are healthy to wear a mask at all times if they are around people. And that has, that has never been done that I can recall, that I can find. Every study, every context of wearing masks is if you are treating an infectious person, such as a nurse or a doctor. But instead, we've slapped masks on the whole country and said it's because of science. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, all the politicians are looking at the poll numbers, <laughs> and they're repealing the mask mandates because they're widely, widely unpopular. 888-589-8840 is the number to call in. Triple eight five eight nine eight eight four zero is the number to call in to the show. We will go to uh, let's see, we'll go to Ed in the state of Mississippi. Ed, welcome to the core. Thank
1: you, Walker. Appreciate you. Appreciate your uh insight. My I'd just like to make one uh, couple of points. I agree with you on the uh mass than any common-sense person in another life. I was a radiation control monitor and worked for the Thomas Energy Commission. About the only kind of mass will work is one that's totally enclosed, such as a Scott Airpact or something. That's number one. Number two, with all that's going on in our country, with the exception of my lifetime, uh, my voting lifetime, at least over 50 years, We've only had two presidencies that we seem to turn the country around a little bit, and we defrauded the last one we had. Mm-hmm. It seems like these uh, left wingers just keep winning. I I think the only way forward is some some type of convention of states
0: mm-hmm. where we
1: can separate the good from the evil. I, I just unless Jesus comes back, uh, I just don't see us defeating these Democrats uh, with with all the media. Our colleges and universities corrupted. Yeah. Uh, such a, so so much corruption. I mean, I get, I just get your thoughts on that. I, I, sure. I think we got to separate some some type of separation, form a new uh, coalition of states hmm. to separate ourselves from these other people. I mean, I I, just, yeah. I don't see any other way.
0: All right, uh, Ed. I'll uh, let you go, and I'll answer your or address your comments. Uh, I, I completely agree on the Convention of States. I've actually got a story in the hopper for tomorrow uh, to provide an update on that. I've interviewed Rick Green on the topic. Uh, the Convention of States is a great idea, and it's a slow process, if, you, if, if those of you who know about it, and getting there takes time. But overall, the purpose is noble, the purpose is good, and it would provide a, a major buffer between Washington, D.C., federal overreach, and the states. So I agree, Ed, completely. Um, I, I really – I know everything seems bleak, uh, but but good people have been winning around this country. I mean, you look at the 2020 election, despite the whole shenanigans and illegal voting and all that stuff that went on with the presidential race, and, and we do need to acknowledge that, uh, all the way down the ballot, uh, conservative people were elected to office. I mean, uh, I think it's – it's not New Jersey – but there's another northeastern state that uh, – it's New Hampshire. New Hampshire is run by all by Republicans. Who would have thought that? Who would have thought that? New Hampshire is run – the governor and both uh, uh, Senate and House at the state level is run by Republicans.
5: Live free or die. It's yeah. state model.
0: Yeah, we had Youngkin uh, take back the governor's mansion in Virginia. So So good people are winning. And so I, I just don't want to paint this entire situation as bleak and there's no way out. That's just not true. Um, I think I think it is an uphill battle, and the leftist God haters do have control of many institutions in this country. Um, but but there is a, a way we can keep fighting, and we should do so. And the Convention of States, to your point, Ed, is a very good cause, and is is very worthwhile for our time and investment. Uh, we'll go to Geneva in the state of Arkansas. Geneva, welcome to the core.
4: Hello, Mr.
0: Walker. How are you? Doing well. Glad you called in, Geneva.
4: Well, I think I really got an answer to
0: our problem with all of these uh, illegals and stuff. Since our president's got that
4: loving, warm, kind heart of his, why don't we put up a petition and send all of them to his, his area and go put up a little tent
0: city and he can take care of all of them? Raise the roof, Geneva. I think that's a great idea. Everybody who signs up for open borders, which is basically the whole Democrat Party with the exception maybe of a handful, handful their district should be receiving the illegal immigrants so geneva i I like that you probably need to patent that idea or copyright it or something or trademark it uh because that's definitely the right thing to do if you want illegal aliens illegal immigrants coming into this country and draining our our welfare state our welfare system and and everything else then 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 you take care of them you take care of them in your districts in your city And I think Pennsylvania Avenue would be the best place to start. We can put them out right front in front of the North Lawn, throw up some tents, have shelter there, uh, bring in Catholic Charity Services. They're the ones helping the federal government aid and abed these criminals. I think we should do that and then see how quick the federal government says, no, 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 we can't have this. We can't have this many people in front of the White House. Last call we'll take today, Justin in Louisiana. Justin, welcome to the court.
2: Doing?
1: Um have you been on the court? I just want to make a quick comment and then get off. Uh this whole vaccination thing is it's just it's really control. And I have this this start hit my brain and it said, um, you know Mr. Al, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Roll
4: pop? Or C D C how many shots does it take to become vaccinated?
0: <laughs> oh hey, That's Justin a great, Ding ding oh, ding ding Hey, <laughs> right, Justin, very good thought there. I'm gonna let you go. Uh so Justin's point is, how many shots are enough shots? Silence. How many shots are enough shots? Fauci just said today, I've got it in my inbox. We may be looking at a fourth shot. <laughs> we may be looking at a fourth shot. Then a fifth shot, sixth. We're going to have juiced up fake immune systems before we know it. And if you don't get to the doctor in time to get the jab, and that's assuming it works, then your, your immune system's completely like disabled, <laughs> that's not a medical term, but it's like a machinery term. Um, good point. How, wh- how many shots is enough shots? And I think, Justin, you and I know the answer. And the answer is there is no limit. There is no limit. Because if, if the immunity lasts, the immunity that could happen with the shots, if it lasts three to four months, then, then you're we're going to be doing this until Jesus comes back. We're going to be getting boosters every three to four months until Jesus comes back. Uh, if you allow Fauci and the others to set policy and we don't fight back and people are fighting back. That's why the truckers in Canada have said that they are fed up, they are done, they are no longer putting up with this. Uh, That's why healthcare workers have either quit or been fired because they said, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. And there's been pushback across the country, across the world over this because people understand, people understand that if you give Washington an inch, they will take a mile. Not only will they take a mile, when they get to the latter part of that first mile, they'll keep tacking on, moving the goalposts. They've been doing this for two years now, and they won't stop until enough people stop complying with the insanity. And not complying is not this revolutionary, burn the country down like Antifa likes to do. Not complying in this context is simply not wearing the mask for eight hours a day at school. Not complying in this context is not getting a booster every three months when Fauci says to. All right, so not complying in this context should be a very sensible, easy approach for the American public to do in order for their voice to be heard and to tell the bureaucrats and the politicians and big pharma that we're not riding the crazy train anymore. AFA at the core, Walker Wildman. We'll see you next time.
3: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.